0: Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit us online at redemption.ca. All right, if you guys want to have a seat, we'll, uh, we're will we going to get into God's Word. we got... 80 verses uh, to cover today. So uh, we're going we're gonna to have uh, our whirlwind through these two chapters uh, today. Uh, before we get into it, I'm just going to ask you a question. Uh, would you describe your temperament, uh, who you are from day to day, uh, as a roller coaster or as a gondola? <laughs> okay? You're like, what are you talking about? Okay. I think if we're being honest, most of our uh, us are kind of on the roller coaster, right? Uh, things are going well, and, and, you know, it's a sunny, bright day, plus wet temperatures. Things are good. We're on the up. And then, you know, it's 40 below, and nothing's working, and, you know, now I'm on the down. And kind of based on my circumstances, I just, this is my life. This is who I am as a person, and, and, and. For the few here that aren't that way, you're the gondola. And the gondola, you're just like, it just gonna, just keeps going, just, right? And, and, and below, there's a lot of ups and downs, but the gondola just keeps going. And when and, and we look at the life of Joseph, he's, he's like the gondola. And, 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 it's, and the reason is is because he continually has his eyes on the Lord. He's above it all. He's still experiencing everything the guy on the roller coaster is experiencing, as far as the ups and downs of life. But he he it doesn't impact him in the same way because he continually has his eyes on the Lord. And and I want to I want us to see that Joseph is an example to us in how we ought to live out our lives in the good and in the bad, in the trials and in the triumphs. He continually has his eyes on the Lord. Now, Pastor Michael did a fantastic job last week pointing these same things out. We're going to see the, the same kind of trajectory with him, but now not just trials. We're going to see him in the triumph. What, what happens when, when life is going well? Will he still continue to follow the Lord? So we want to look at him, as I mentioned, I think he's an example for us. And I want us to think about okay, what's my life look like? Is there consistency in my walk with the Lord? Is there consistency in my pursuit and what I'm seeking to do every day? Or am I on a roller coaster? So let, let's seek the Lord together to see uh, what he might have for us. Before we do, let's pray. Lord, we love you. We're so thankful for your word. Lord, that you've given to us, Lord, to lead us, to instruct us, to reveal to us who you are. And God, as we look at the life of Joseph, Lord, we see it as um, a life to be followed, a, a model of what life ought to look like, not simply because it's Joseph, but because it looks a whole lot like Jesus' life. And Lord, we know that Joseph was not perfect, but Lord, he strove after you in his life. And God, we would pray for that same wholehearted worship, wholehearted pursuit of you in our own lives God, help us not to be distracted by the circumstances that we would find ourselves in, but God, help us to be fully devoted to you. And so, God, would you lead this time together? Would you help us to understand your word? And, Lord, would you help us to submit accordingly? In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so if you don't have a Bible, go ahead and slip up your hand. We want to make sure everybody has a copy of God's word. As I mentioned, we're going to be looking at two whole chapters today, and we're going to be in Genesis forty. And, and as we read God's Word, we're going to see what godly consistency looks like. What godly consistency looks like. First thing we see is that you consistently live for the Lord. You consistently live for the Lord. The, the key word there is for the Lord. Right? In your life, would that describe you today? As you wake up every morning, Lord, I'm living for you. That's why I'm here. I, I'm not... Whatever tasks I have in my day, it's not about me, it's about him. Lord, help me to live for you. And we see what a life looked like looks like when we look at Joseph's life, a life that is living for the Lord. So sometime after this, after what? Well, he's in prison now, and as uh, Pastor Michael pointed out last week, not a great prison, OK? Shackles. Yeah, he's going to call it a pit. Uh, this is not a great place to be, but this is where he is. He's in uh, confinement because he was falsely accused for something he did not do. So sometimes after this, then how long it's been, we don't know. Uh, we, we know, here's the numbers we know. At 17, his brothers get rid of him. At 30, he's the king. This, what's happening here, is at twenty-eight. How long was he in Potiphar's house before he wound up in prison? We don't know, right? So, but it's been a while. I think we can safely say. So after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. And he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them, and he attended them. They continued for some time in his custody. And one night they both dreamed, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, each his own dream, and each dream with his own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody in his master's house, why are your faces downcast today? And they said to him, We have had dreams, and there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream, there, were, there was a vine before me, and, and on the vine there were three branches. As soon as it budded, the blossoms shot forth and the clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation. The three branches are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office and you shall place your Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly when you were his cupbearer. Only remember me. When it is well with you, and and please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh, and so get me out of this house. For For I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also I have done nothing that should put me into the pit. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable, he said to Joseph, I also had a dream. There were three cake baskets on my head, and in the uppermost basket... There were all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating it out of the basket on my head. And Joseph answered and said, this is its interpretation. The three baskets are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat the flesh from you. On the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all his servants and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. So we just want to reflect on this chapter before moving on to the next chapter. Joseph, we see that he's still being given, given responsibility, now, the captain of the guard is Potiphar. If it's the still if there hasn't been a changing of the guard, this is still the same guy. And we see that he's still being given responsibility. You know, as I, as you kind of think about things, you got prolonged time to meditate on a passage like this. I'm kind of thinking, well, is it become obvious to Potiphar at some point who was telling the truth about what really happened? But he's a prideful guy, right? He doesn't really want to, you know, it's like, oh, my wife lied. You know, so he continues to keep him in prison, but he's giving him responsibility. He's over this cupbearer and this baker. When you hear those terms, you're like, oh, these must be lowly servants. Well, they're not lowly servants. A cupbearer was the guy who was drinking before the Pharaoh, right? Why is he drinking from Pharaoh's cup? What's going on here? That's kind of weird. Well, Back in the good old days, that's how you'd try to kill someone, right? you put poison in the cup, and they're like, hey, king, enjoy, right? And that's how you'd assassinate someone. So in order to guard against that, he would be the person who would take a drink first. He's still good, okay? There you go. It's yours to drink now. So he was actually in close proximity to Pharaoh continually. He had an important position. He had a trusted position. The baker same thing. He's preparing all the food. He's the chief baker. Now, what has happened, Moses doesn't tell us, right? We just know that there's something has happened where he's not just angry, it's like wrathful. He's like, I'm so, uh, so angry at these guys that he throws them into this prison. Now, Speculate. You could say, well, maybe, maybe there's been an assassination attempt or there's rumors of an assassination. And one of these two guys, it seems like he's the culprit. Nobody knows for sure, so he just throws them both in prison. We don't know for sure what's going on, but that would be a guess. But that's not the point of the text. The point of the text is to point us to Joseph and to see how God's continually working in his life. And, and, and I love just watching... Joseph in this text. Note, again, he's being given responsibility. Why is he being given responsibility? Because he's continued to be faithful wherever he finds himself. Right? He gets sold by his good old brothers there into slavery. He's at Potiphar's house. He, he, he's continually faithful. God's with him. And, 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 and so he's given much responsibility. Now he's in prison. He's still given responsibility. He's still given important responsibility. Why is that? Because he continues to be dependable. He's not like this, right? What? Like, what, what's the point? What's the point? I keep serving God, and all I do is keep getting lower and lower and lower. Forget it. I'm embittered. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. Like, God, if you want me to do something differently, I guess you better change my circumstances. That's not Joseph. For being honest, it's us, a lot of us. It's not Joseph, though. Why? He has his eyes on the Lord. Lord, you've allowed this. I don't understand it. Remember that dream. But this is where I'm at. So God, I'm going to be faithful where I'm at today. So so he's dependable. He's also compassionate. Like people in his circumstances tend to be like what? Focus here. Focus here. Focus here. Woe is me. Woe is me. Woe is me. He comes in. He notices that these two guys are downcast that they're troubled. Like, he notices that. He, 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 he has eyes to see. He's compassionate. Reminds us of who? Jesus. Everywhere he goes, he has eyes to see the needs around him and shows compassion. And so he goes to these guys and says, hey, what's going on? What's going on? He, he asks in such a way that they, they can see he has empathy. And they're like, well, we had some dreams. They're like, well, I had some dreams last night too. Well, like, what? I'm not downcast. Okay, what's going on here? Well, when am it just giving us some insight into the Egyptian culture, the Egyptians shared a belief widespread in antiquity that sleep puts us in real and direct contact with the other world where not only the dead, but also the gods dwell. Dreams, therefore, are a gift from the gods, right? So this is what they're, they're like, okay, God has spoken to us, but now we can't figure out what they've actually said. They're, they're, they're they, they, we're going to see as we continue on, they have these magicians, they have these wise men who kind of like, here's what the dream means. So these guys feel like they've been talked to, but now there's no one who can speak to them. And they are feeling what? Hopeless, helpless. And Joseph comes along, shows them compassion, and he points them to like, you know what? You don't need those guys. There is hope because there's someone who actually can tell you what your dream was. And he's like, it's me. Right? Is that what he does? No, he says, God does it. Do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. He, like, he doesn't skip a beat. He, he's like, God does this. So tell me what it is. Do you think that maybe takes some faith? Right? <laughs> right? Right? Like, would you put yourself out there? But he, he's just being led by the Lord. He's like, yeah, let me, tell me the dream. So... The first guy, the cupbearer, is like, here's my dream. He's like, yeah, here's what's going to happen. He's going to lift your head up. And you're like, well, we don't use that term, right? But, but we, do, we do say, like, when your head is down, what is that usually? Shame, humility, right? To lift up your head is to restore you, to place you back where you once were. This is, he's going to lift up your head. He's going to restore you to the place you once were. And and you're gonna you're gonna keep serving as you were as you did, right? Well, the baker's like, fantastic. I mean, okay, can't wait to hear mine because it's pretty similar, threes and all that. And so, here's my dream, (laughs) right? And 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 not not great. Uh, Your head's gonna be lifted, right up, and you're gonna die, right? You're gonna be hung. That's that's right, and on Pharaoh's birthday. That's, 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 that's his message. Now, what I want us to note is that Joseph gives both messages and does not hesitate. I mean, he's pretty easy to give the cupbearer message, right? Things are going to turn out really well for you. Praise God, right? Like, this is a fantastic... But do you want to, like, hey, by the way, bud, three days and you're dead. He's such a model for us because it's not about his message, right? It's not his message. It's God's word. And so he just says it clearly, with courage, with boldness. Here's the message. So it should be for you and I. Everybody here wants to talk about heaven. Anybody talking about hell? It's a real place. Real consequences. Yes, we celebrate heaven, but there also is a hell. Everybody wants to talk about God's love. Fantastic. Fantastic. It's, 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 it's what everything kind of comes from is his love. All this plan, it's, it's, it's central to who he is. But guess what? There's also judgment to come. There's also wrath to come. And if you do not talk about the wrath and the judgment, then his love is belittled. We, we must give the whole message, not just parts that we kind of like to talk about. We must give the whole message. And that's the joy that we have as believers. Sometimes people are like, oh, that was a pretty bold message. Uh, what? what are you talking about? It's just, we just read God's word and we said what it said. That's what we do as the people of God. That's what we must do as the people of God. And Joseph gets that. Eyes on the Lord. Here's the message. Now, between the messages, between the interpretations he says, uh, hey, cupbearer, you're going to be in a pretty strategic position soon. Can you, can you get me out of here? And, and what, a, what a lesson this is in regards to walking in God's sovereignty. Fully accepting, this is where I am today, but God, can you change my circumstances? Like he's, it, is it okay to ask God to change your circumstances? It's 100% okay to change, ask God to change your circumstances to help you to, to get to that new point. So he, he says, hey, when I get out of here, or when you get out of here, can can you get me out of here? Because I shouldn't be here. One, I was sold into slavery for no reason, taken from the land of the Hebrews. Interesting, like it's like seventy people right now on earth, right? It's, it's land of the Hebrews. You know, not even 70 yet. So so but they he understands that he's highlighting that. And then secondly, um, the pit. Do you notice that he's using this word, the pit that I'm in right now? I don't deserve to be here either. So would you speak to Pharaoh on my behalf? And, and, and I just want I, I don't, to, I don't know your circumstances today. Some of you are in a pit, right? You feel like, man, I, I'm going through such a trial right now. And I just like, is, am I ever going to get out of the pit? You are going to get out of the pit. Do you know that? Every single one of you are going to get out of the pit. It may not be tomorrow. It may be not the next day. It may, might be 13 years from now. I don't know. Only the Lord knows the timing of these things. But for sure, we're all getting out of the pit. Now, some of you are like, I'm doing great right now. I'm not in a pit. But your prayer should be no different than the person who's in the pit. Your prayer should be the same as the apostle John who said, Come soon, Lord Jesus. Come soon, Lord Jesus. Help us. Lord, get us out of here. This place of sin and, 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 and the curse. And Lord, you're coming and you're going to make it all right again. And, and you will reign. You will reign. And Lord, we cannot wait for that day. Like all of us should be praying for that. Because that is the end destination for you. So what, when you go, like, how do you know I'm going to get out of the pit? Because that's the end destination for all believers. Reigning with him. That's the secret of contentment. Johnny Erickson Tata is is such a model in our day on this. Still praying decades later, God, would you heal me? I know you can heal me. But I'm going to serve you today where I'm at. Paul, for to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. So, Lord, today, where you've placed me, I'm all in. I'm going to serve you. I'm all in. My eyes are on you. But would you change my circumstances? Now, we must be a people of prayer. If we want want what God wants for us, we must be a people of prayer. We're going to see this in the next point. We we, we must be dependent on him. But as I've been thinking about prayer and just being really convicted by this... (coughs) It's not a tack-on in our lives as believers. Well, I guess I should pray because that's one of the spiritual disciplines. Okay, Lord, you know, and you go through your list. I mean, you, you, you're able to live the life you're able to live because of your expectation of what God wants for you. Like, oh, well, here's the expectation, God. I get to church two times a month, maybe. Well, you can do that. You could probably do that on your own without praying. Um, you know, my kids are alive. You could do that on your own. My marriage, well, we're not divorced yet. You can do that on your own strength. But here's God's bar. He, every day, you're, you're to, to lead and direct your children in the ways of the Lord. Every day. As, as, as husbands and wives... You are to live this sacrificial life for one another every day. You're to die to yourself every day. Like, can anyone do that in their own strength? Can any of you? I know I can't. And if we've understood what God wants us to do, it drives us to our knees to say, God, I have to depend on you. This is, this is the whole point of what he's saying here in this, ne- in this next section. We must consistently depend on the Lord. Does that describe your life? Consistently depending on the Lord. Paul says pray always. Why, is, why would he say pray always? Because you can't do anything that, that God would want you to do in your own strength. And, and, that, and that's the secret. And then we're not praying just for the sake of praying. We're, see, we're praying because we're seeking the Lord, the Spirit of God to indwell us, to fill us, to strengthen us, to empower us, to do everything that he's asking us to do. And this is, Joseph is modeling this in his life. No matter what the case, you you push him on something. What's the first word out of his voice? uh, First word out of of his mouth? God. 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 Right? Like, he he bleeds that. So, he completely depends on the Lord. We read in verse 41, after two whole years, uh, two years what? Waiting to be freed out of this prison. Remember the whole cupbearer thing? He forgot him. There's one lesson that Joseph knows for sure after 13 years. You cannot depend on people. Right? Uh, Dad loves me, but my brothers, they hate me. Get into a good workplace. I'm, I'm doing it. Again, Potiphar's wife throws him in jail. Potiphar's like, oh, he must, she must be telling the truth. Right? This cupbearer. Like okay, I've done something really good for this guy. I'm surely he will remember. He doesn't remember him. I mean, the first week was probably like okay. Is today the day? Two weeks? Well, maybe maybe this week. And eventually, like okay, I, I, obviously this guy can depend on him either. But who does he depend on? Over and over and over again, he depends on the Lord. And so, in the in the pain of all this rejection, he's not putting his trust in people, but he's putting his trust in the Lord continually. So, after two whole years, I like that emphasis, right? It's not just two years, two whole years, okay? Yeah, this is a long time, okay? Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing by the Nile. Things are about to change. And behold, there came out of the Nile seven cows, attractive and plump, and they fed in the reed grass, the Alberta cows, okay? Except for the reed grass part. And behold, seven other cows, ugly and thin, came out of the Nile after them and stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. This word for ugly could also be translated evil. Like they're just ghastly looking. This is like the stuff of horror movies is what he's watching. And the ugly, thin cows ate up the seven attractive, plump cows and he awoke. Yeah, of course he awoke, right? Have you ever had a dream like that where it's just like so frightening that it startles you and you awake? This is what's happening here, and he falls back asleep. And he dreamed a second time, and behold, seven years of years of grain, plump and good, were growing on one stalk. And behold, after them sprouted seven ears, thin and blighted by the east wind. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven plump, full ears. And Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. So in the morning, his spirit was troubled. And he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was none who could interpret them to Pharaoh. I love how Moses is writing this. So He's just like, okay. I mean, this cupbearer and this baker thought that they were hopeless because they couldn't have access to these magicians and wise men. Can I just show you that I am the great one true God? This is what God is showing in this. There is no God like him. There is no other gods to be true. And he's saying, you can have all your wise men. You can have all the magicians you want, and you're still not going to know what you need to know. And was a great reminder about any of us having this temptation to cling to anything of this world. It's all meaningless. It's all futile. Lord, you alone have life. You alone have the words that we need. And so the chief cupbearer finally wakes up, right? He's like, hmm, I remember I actually was just like Pharaoh right now. I remember a time in my life, right, where I'm just like feeling hopeless and and helpless and like, what is the answer to this? And he's like, oh, yeah, I remember. And the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, I remember my offenses today when Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me and the chief baker in custody in the house of the captain of the guard. We dreamed on the same night, he and I each having a dream with its own interpretation. A young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. And when we told him, he interpreted our dreams to us, giving an interpretation to each man according to his dream. And as he interpreted to us, so it came about. I was restored to my office, and the baker was hanged. Like, listen, we've tried everybody else, but there is this guy, he's in prison, that interpreted our dreams. Now, again, just think about how crazy this whole situation is. Put it in today's terminology. Like Prime Minister Trudeau has, has a thing he has to make a decision on. He has no idea what to do. He sought all the counsel of all his advisors. And there's somebody who says, hey, I know somebody at the Drumheller Penitentiary. You should talk to him. But that's how desperate he is. As far as he knows, the guy's there for a reason, right? He, he doesn't think he's innocent. He thinks he's there because he's a criminal. But he's so desperate. And I love how God brings us to, to points of desperation in our lives where even God could be the answer, right? How many testimonies are like that? Right, You got pushed far, so far down the rabbit hole and you've tried everything in this world and nothing's working. And finally, that which you continually kicked against, that which you continually resisted, you're like, that's the answer. It actually is the Lord, the thing I've been resisting all my life. And so anyway, so he's brought to this, this point of desperation. And Pharaoh sent and called Joseph and they quickly brought him out of the pit. And when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came in before Pharaoh there's this, this clothes theme, uh, Pastor Michael brought up last week, right? This clothes thing continue this continual theme, had the robe, got him into trouble, that robe is taken away from him, then he's de-robed again, got him in trouble again, now he's having a change of clothes, he is clean shaven, because why? Because that's what the people of Egypt were, and so in order for him to be prepared to go in, he must be clean shaven. And so now he goes in before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. And I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Well, note what Joseph answers. Joseph answered Pharaoh, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. How tempting would it have been to Joseph to say, yeah, that's right. I can do that done in the past. I could do it again. I had this dream one time, (laughs) 13 years ago, right? Like, like, I want, I want us to know even that he remains, he doesn't, he doesn't turn against dreams, God revealing himself through a dream. He's still holding on to the fact that God is true to what he said through his dream. And so he's, 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 he's saying, hey, God's communicating to these people now. He can do it. Not, not me. God can do it though. And, and what I love about Joseph, he's not weird about these things. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, I guess I better put on my evangelism hat now. Okay, uh, what are the things I'm supposed to say? And, and you kind of, it's almost like this out-of-body experience. Rather than like, this is just who I am. I tell everybody about God. Whether they're Christian or not, I don't care. I just, that's what I do. Because why? I'm a follower of him. I love him. He's the most important thing in my life. And so I just tell everybody about him. And I kind of figure out where they're at. Oh, you've never heard of him. Well, let me tell you about him. Right? Oh, you go to this church. Fantastic. Right? Like, just be like Joseph. <laughs> right? Always pointing people to the Father. Just kind of like, like who? Like Jesus did. Always pointing people to the Father. It's not about him. It's about Him. He's about the Father. So Joseph answered Pharaoh, it's not in me, but I'll give Pharaoh a favorable answer. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Behold, in my dream, I was standing on the banks of the Nile. Seven cows, plump and attractive, came out of the Nile and fed in the green grass. Seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and thin, such as I had never seen in all the land of Egypt. In his retelling of the story, he's like, they were very ugly, right? He's just like, these, these, these thin cows, these evil cows are just like, I, I don't even, it's just the craziest thing I've ever seen. And the thin, ugly cows ate up the first seven plump cows, but when they had eaten them, no one would have known that they had eaten them. For they were still as ugly as at the beginning. Then I awoke. He's just saying, like, this is, this is fresh insight You would think after eating the seven plump cows, what? There would be a change in appearance. He's like, there's no change. They look just as ugly as before. Then he woke up. I also saw in my dream seven ears growing growing on one stalk, full and good. Seven ears withered thin and blighted by the east wind, sprouted after them, and the thin ears swallowed up the seven good ears. And I told it to my magicians, but there was no one who could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. Where's the focus? God. It's on God. He is the one who will tell you, Pharaoh, what he is doing. He's the one who's giving you this dream. He's the one who will tell through me what is going to happen. He doesn't skip a beat. He's standing before the most powerful person in the world. The one guy who can change his circumstances, but he doesn't change. How how tempted might you to be like, now, I know that you worship some other gods, you know, which is great. You know, you seem very spiritual, right? You know, and so hope you're not offended. I'm going to tell you about my God. You know, he doesn't, he's just like, here it is. Here it is. This is the truth. This is what you need to know. I'm going to proclaim the full counsel of what the Lord has said to you. Again, as we witness what God is doing here, it it should challenge us. I was thinking about the circumstances that we find ourselves in in life and how much we tend to care about what people think. You know, that, that, that they are the ones that in, are in charge somehow, right? Like the brothers are like, you're going to be a slave for the rest of your life. Is that true? They thought it. You're, you're going to be a prisoner for the rest of your life. That, that's, that's, what the, that's what they had to sign to, to Joseph. But God's like, that's not going to be the case, I have the plan. I say what will happen. It doesn't matter what the world says about you. And so when God says, now it's time to be king, guess what? You're going to be king. And as you read through the New Testament and you see all kinds of people come against you, Revelation, just in case you've missed it, a lot of Christians get killed. A lot of martyrdom. Through the centuries we've seen a lot of martyrdom. People trying to, to get rid of the church. Guess what? The church is still here. Church isn't going anywhere. Church will be here until Christ returns. As, as he says, I'm going to continue to build my church till when? Till I return. And so let's stop worrying about what people think about us and let us remember who we are. We are God's children. We are his people. His love will never be taken away from us. No matter what circumstances you find yourself in, don't focus on the circumstances. Focus on what God's word says about you. You're a child of the king. You're now ambassadors of the king. Your future inheritance is sure. It is incorruptible. No one can take that away from you. And we see God literally take Joseph from the pit and put him as king in a day, in a day. Who would have seen that coming? Nobody. But God does what he does, and so we keep our eyes on him. A good measure of how you're doing and walking uh, walking in dependence of God is your prayer life, as I've already mentioned. It has to be forefront in our minds continually. God, we can't do it, but you can, and so we pray, we pray, we pray. Tonight, we're going to come together at 4.30. Not here. Remember that. Okay? Here, that Foothills Alliance. Fantastic space to come together and to confess, God, we can't, but you can. What does that include? Uh, Pretty much everything. Pretty much everything. You could sin without him, for sure. Right? But anything good, we need him. And so we're going to cry out together tonight. So... Walk independence. dependence What does godly consistency look like? Thirdly, you consistently give glory to the Lord. You consistently give glory to the Lord. Joseph now interprets the dream. The seven good cows are seven years. And the seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years. And the seven empty ears blighted by the east wind are also seven years of famine. It is, as I told Pharaoh, God has shown to Pharaoh what he's about to do. Again, focus is where? God. God is telling you what's happening here. I'm not telling you anything. It's God who's telling you this. There will come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. But after them will arise seven years of famine, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. The famine will consume the land, and the plenty will be unknown in the land by reason of the famine that will follow, for it will be very severe. And the doubling of Pharaoh's dream means that the same the thing is fixed by God, and God will shortly bring it about. Listen, two dreams, why? Because God is telling you it is going to happen. And it will come quickly. Who's the focus? It's God. All through this. God is doing it. He's the one who's, who's been faithful to tell you this. And Pharaoh, if you don't listen, it will not go well with you. So he, now what? He gives him advice. He tells him what he should do. Now therefore let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plentiful years. And let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store up grain after the authority of Pharaoh for food in the cities and let them keep it. That food shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that are to occur in the land of Egypt so that the land may not perish through the famine. Okay, he's, 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 he's got a bonus here. He didn't just get to hear what the dream was. Now he gets to hear what he should actually do about it. He's not putting his focus on himself at one iota in this continual thing. He's saying, here's what you need. You're in charge, Pharaoh, right? I'm not a politician. I'm not in charge of this land. Here's what I would do. Here's what you should do. You need to choose a wise and discerning man. That guy then is going to be in charge of uh, over a bunch of people. You're going to take one fifth of the produce and you're going to store that up for seven years. And if you do that, then you're going to survive the famine. This proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. It's not just Pharaoh that thinks this is a great idea. Everybody's like, this is amazing. Like, love how God, god is in charge. This, this Pharaoh who worships the sun god and all kinds of other gods, he's like, this, this, this is it right here. Now, look what happens. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom there is the spirit of God? Like, how awesome would it be if God if if people would say that of us? Mmm, something's different about you. Now, how does he come to this conclusion that it's from the Spirit of God? Because Joseph keeps saying, God, 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 God's gonna do this, God's gonna like I can't do it, but God can. And so he's like, the spirit of that God. he isn't even like he's not like he's all of a sudden become a theologian here. He's just saying what 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 is the the low-hanging fruit. The spirit of that God is in you. He's told you all of this stuff. How else could I explain it? There is no one else like you. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. Even in his acknowledging of Joseph being fit for the job of a wise and discerning man, he sees that it is God who has made Joseph fit for the job. Who's getting all the glory here? God's getting all the glory. As he should in our lives. I love what Boyce has to say. I wonder if people see that kind of character in us. And if they recognize that it is God who has given it to us. The only way we'll ever have that character And the only way that others will ever see it is if we have our eyes on God in all things. Eyes on the Lord. Eyes on the Lord. Anything good in us, we're pointing to him. We never take credit for it. We always give credit where credit is due, and it's to him. To him belongs all the glory. Well, things are about to change for Joseph. You shall be over my house. And all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. Interesting, right? Joseph is over Potiphar's house. Then he's over the jailer's house. And then he is over Pharaoh's house. He's been faithful in the small things. Now he's going to be challenged to be faithful in the great things. In one day, he goes from the pit to the throne. And only in regards to the throne... He's not going to be sitting on the throne, but he's going to be at the right hand of the throne. He's going to be in power in every way other than sitting on that throne. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I've set you over the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. All right, I mean, this whole, whole, now he's got fine linen, Okay, this is what he's wearing now. He's got a gold chain. Why? He's got riches. Any riches he wants, he's his now. How will he do now? As he's about to enter a trial, like a trial. What does that mean? He's about to have everything he's ever wanted. Everything. How, How do how do people in our world react to that kind of power? Power, fame, riches—as a whole—would we say some of the most godly people we have on this earth? Would we say that? They just forget them. They just forget, who needs God? I'm God. That's the reaction. I mean, interesting that Pharaoh would have been seen as a god in Egypt. And so, there's all kinds of temptations coming Joseph's way. How will he respond? In fact, some of the things that are going to happen to him, he has no choice in the matter. Pharaoh is saying, this is the way it's going to be. And they made him ride in his second chariot. And they called out before him, bow the knee. Thus he set him over all the land of Egypt. Can you imagine? Driving around some luxury vehicle continually. And every time you come by, people are bowing. What would that do to your soul? For most of us, if we're being real. I am a pretty big deal. Yeah. I mean, I did. I mean, I literally did save the whole world. (laughs) Right? I mean, if left to himself, if left to his flesh, that's how he would have responded. But he has his eyes continually on the Lord. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no one shall lift up hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. How's that for power? Joseph says, lift up your hand. Joseph says, put down your hand. I mean, that's what everybody has to do. (laughs) Right? That's the kind of power he has. What would you have done with that power? Would you maybe consider your past a little bit? Uh, Potiphar's wife. I'd like you to come and stand before the tribunal here. And I want you to tell everybody what actually happened. Hey, uh, cupbearer, you're fired. <laughs> like, what, like, is that not how power can corrupt? Right? Now, I'm, now listen, I've, got, I've suffered, now you're going to suffer but not for the godly person. Not for the person who keeps his eyes on the Lord. That's not Joseph. That's not, we don't see any hint of any of this stuff happening in Joseph's life. He's got his focus on the Lord and what now is the next thing to do. He's been faithful with little, now he will be faithful with much. Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphoneth Paneah, and he gave him in marriage Aseneth, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. So Joseph went over went out over the land of Egypt. His name, it means God speaks and lives. Pharaoh in every way is trying to get Joseph to adopt to the Egyptian culture. He's saying now, you are now an Egyptian. You will now be in power over everything. You're going to have prestige. Only I will be greater in regards to the throne. But other than that, you are the top Egyptian here. Now, how, how much influence is he having, uh, is the world having on his life at this point? There's this priest of On, that's a city. They would worship the sun god there. This, this marriage he's given, this is a woman of prestige and of power. This is, this is who Pharaoh thinks, hey, this is a great a wife for you. And he gives her to him. Hughes says this, this ultra aristocrat wife that left Joseph well-connected and continuously in danger of Egyptianization. That's a good word for you, Egyptianization. His clothing was Egyptian. His name was Egyptian. His language was Egyptian. His wife was Egyptian. And his father-in-law was a leading Egyptian sun worshiper. If not for those 13 years of trial and having his eyes continually upon the Lord, he would never have been able to get through this new trial. He would have been like everybody else and just assimilated into the culture. But what's amazing is that he is the one influencing the entire culture rather than the culture influencing him. Why? Because he's a man of God who continually keeps his focus on the Lord. How can you say that? Well, let's just see. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So many threads all through the Bible. Guess who else was 30 when he became king? David. How old was Jesus when he entered service and ministry? 30. They all pointed to Christ. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. During the seven plentiful years, the earth produced it abundantly. And he gathered up all the food of these seven years which occurred in the land of Egypt and put the food in the cities. He put it in every city, the food from the fields around it. And Joseph stored up grain in great abundance like the sand of the sea until he ceased to measure it, for it could not be measured. The wording here, if you've been st- with us in our study of Genesis, you, you would say, well, it sounds like a whole lot like the Abrahamic covenant. Exactly. This is the initial blessing that God gives, that through the nation of Israel, through Abraham, all the nations will be blessed. If it was not for Joseph, they would have all been in very big trouble. So we see Joseph being faithful in his work. Before the year of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph. Aseneth, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, bore them to him. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my hardship." And all my father's house. The name of the second he called Ephraim, for God had made him fruitful in the land of my affliction. He's continually keeping his eyes on the Lord. The seven years of abundance, all the power, all the fame, all the prestige, he's keeping his eyes on the Lord. So that when he has his first son, he says, Lord, you've you've allowed me to heal from all the pain of my past. That's another way you could say it. He's not embittered against his family. He remembers them. we're going to see in the chapters come, he remembers them and he misses them, his family. But he's not embittered towards them. He, we're going to see this forgetting and the forgiveness have a lot of parallels going on here. And, and then, and then he, he's, he recognizes every blessing that he has is it's from God. And so he names his kids accordingly. The seven years of plenty that occurred in the land of Egypt came to an end. And the seven years of famine began to come, as Joseph had said. There was famine in all lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. When all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph, what he says to you, do. So when the famine had spread over the land, all the land, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe in the land of Egypt." Everything God said was going to happen, happened. He is sovereign over this entire globe. Moreover, all the earth came to Egypt, to Joseph, to buy grain, because the famine was severe over all the earth. So many parallels between Joseph and Jesus. So many foreshadowings of who Jesus would be. God uses this one man to save the world. Physically so. Twice he has been brought out of a pit. A place of death is another way you can understand that word. Daniel also had been placed in a place of death, in a pit. But God rescued him out of that. And in both instances, they then rose to power and became kings. Jesus was placed in a pit. He was placed in a tomb and three, three days later he rose again and he ascended to the right hand of the Father and he reigns as King of kings and Lord of lords. So many parallels through this entire thing. Are you living for the Lord? Not for yourself, for the Lord. Are you fully dependent on him and are you continually seeking to give him glory. Can I just say what's obvious here to, should be to all of us? You can't do it. But through his spirit, you can. And so let us cry out to him together. God, we want to be these people. We want to follow the example of, of Joseph. Lord, that you might be glorified and honored. Amen? Amen. God, we love you. We're so thankful for this time together this morning. We thank you that your word is true, every single word of it, everything that you said would happen on the globe happened exactly the way you said it would happen. Lord, every word of yours is true. And so God, we want to be like Joseph. God, we, we, we long for that. And so God, we come in desperation and say, God, we're so easily distracted we so easily make life about ourselves. And so God, we pray, would you help us? Would you help us to trust you? Would you help us to, to, to not be up and down with every circumstances that we face? But God, just keep our eyes on you, being faithful every day. God, I thank you that for those who are going through trials right now, Lord, as they cry out to you, Lord, you will deliver them. Just as you deliver Joseph, you will deliver them in your timing, in your way. And ultimately one day we will all be with you, Lord. God, I can't help but think with the person today who is still in their sin. Lord, they've never repented of their sin. They've never placed their trust in you. God, would you do a work in them today? Lord, would you open their eyes to see? Lord, maybe they're here because they're desperate. Lord, they cannot, they've tried everything and they're helpless and they're hopeless. And God, I pray that they would see you are the answer. You are the way, the truth, and life. And everyone Lord, who looks to you, Lord, they can find their way to the Father through Jesus Christ. God, give them repentance. Give them faith. Help them to trust in you, not just for a day, but for the rest of eternity. God, have your way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing together. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information visit us online at redemption.ca